Huge here. I want to thank you for jumping on our podcast. Spread the word. Just tell everybody to search The Huge Show wherever they download podcasts. And also, get ready for the Super Bowl. Get in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use that code HUGE. Thank Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit, Lions, NFL insider. He is standing by on the Roast Umberg Coffee guest line. Man, Jeremy, uh, this run continues. Yeah, no, it's truly uh, truly unbelievable uh, that the Lions just keep seemingly facing every possible challenge and, and knocking down every real goal that they could realistically have at the beginning of this year. What, what, what continues to amaze me really is how young this team is and how unfazed they are by everything, right? Um, unfazed by the fact that this team has had a 30-year playoff drought. Unfazed by the fact that this team hasn't been to an NFC championship in 32 years. Unfazed by being underdogs, being favorites. It, it doesn't seem to matter. This team is up for it, and I think that speaks to what you were just saying about Dan Campbell being one of the best head coaches in the league and maybe the best head coach in this team's history. Yeah, well, you know, Being the best quarterback or head coach in Lions history, I'm sorry, it's not like Academy Awards where you got a long <laughs> list. There. Sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very short list. But the one thing you mentioned about the youth, and I mentioned it, I was trying to think while I was sitting there yesterday at Ford Field. In my life, you know, I'm 62, may look 42, but I'm 62, is that an NFL team where, because you've seen NBA teams have a couple guys splash or baseball teams have a 19-year-old who, you know, hits 40 homers. I'm trying to think in the NFL because it's such a physical game. The last time I've seen a potential Super Bowl champion, one of the final four teams in the National Football League this season, have that many young guys contribute. And I'm not talking about just guys that come off the bench and give you a a block kick or punt return. I'm talking players on both sides of the ball who start and bring it. Can you connect – this team to any other NFL team you've seen in terms of you, man, that's, that's really hard. I'd have to, I'd have to hit the history books for, for me to answer that. Um, but I think it does speak to just like, it almost feels like this team is too naive to understand what they're doing, which I, I, I take it back to a quote that uh, Dan Campbell said in his post game kind of locker room celebration. It's just like, he's screaming at his teams. Like, do you know what you're doing right now? Do you know how hard it is to do what you're doing? Um, in this, and, and to be doing it really in their first year of like legitimate contention, they're doing all of this despite the fact that it's a bunch of 23, 24 year olds who have never been here before, who've never played a playoff game, who don't carry the weight of this franchise and, and the 70 years of losing. Um, there are some of those guys in, in, you know, on the team, right? There's your Frank Ragnows, there's your Taylor Deckers who have been here for a while and, and understand all that, but there's a certain amount of, confidence or it's almost like a confidence and ignorance that that carries this team to such heights I think because they're just so fearless of these situations because it doesn't mean all of this extra they don't carry that burden of, of decades of, of failure in this franchise they're just they're just playing ball out there and 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 it's working yeah, and beyond working's an understatement Jeremy I'm not saying that in a negative way but Gibbs uh, JMO who you know, really, it's kind of a rookie between the suspension and coming back from the knee injury. Campbell, uh, you look at Branch, like I said. I mean, we go down this list and we just – Laporta, who he's one of the top tight ends in the game. Forget what you – a know, rookie or a 10th-year player. And 
and Holmes, his ability to spot that talent and also the ability of Campbell and his staff to maximize that talent so quickly. Yeah, it's 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 exactly how it's supposed to look, right? It's exactly when you have a well-functioning organization and you make such a monumental trade to kick things off that gets you all that extra draft capital, this is exactly what everyone had in mind. This is exactly what it's supposed to look like in nailing your your first draft ever in, in Brad Holmes, who, I mean, you look at that 2021 draft class and it's like hit, 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 hit. And then it continued from there on. And like you said, um, you got your top four picks from this year's draft all contributing in, in very meaningful ways. And, you know, I think, down the line, people might look at what Brad Holmes did in three years as literally the blueprint from starting from scratch. This team had very little in that first year, and they they took their you know they took their lumps. They they understood that it was going to be a tough go around in the first year, year and a half. Um, but to see it turn around, because it, I think at the time a lot of people were like, why are they taking such a slow approach? Why aren't they going wild in, in free agency? Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Um, but this is a proof of concept of, of a three-year plan, making sure you're taking things slow, making sure you're not listening to the outside noise of, oh, you got to get your quarterback. You're, you're picking in the top 10. you you got to get a quarterback. Oh, you, you, you trade it up for, for a wide receiver that's injured? You can't do that. you got to get immediate contributions out of your first-round pick. Oh, you're taking a running back in the first round? You can't do that. That's not how positional value works. Um, they stuck to their plan, their idea of what it meant to roster build, and we're seeing the, the fruits of those labors right now of, of doing it their way. Going to top-shelf college programs, Gibbs, Alabama, JMO, Alabama, Branch, Alabama, Hutch, Michigan, Campbell, Iowa, and even though they can't score, but defensively <laughs> you'll take that, and you'll take a tight end out of Iowa because they produce more tight ends and. Uh, most D1 programs, but yeah. yeah, all those things we're talking about and how it's second year, you know, St. Brown seems like a, a veteran and he's still young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, again, it, it's just, it's a masterclass of, of doing all the right things. It sure is. I mean, it, when you, when you take, when you, you know, find your new GM, it, I think it's always smart to get a guy who is a college scout at heart, because that is, that is how you rebuild. That is how you, get to where you are of being one of the youngest teams in the NFL, but also one of the most talented. Um, you have to get a guy who's been doing it for a very long time, knows the process, knows what stats to look at and which stats to ignore, which, you know, is the 40 yard dash important or is the, you know, you know, the, the miles per hour that, that they take during the national championship game. Is that more important? Um, Brad Holmes have been doing it for a very long time. And I know there are some people that, that don't like hiring a GM that doesn't have experience, but if you are going to hire one of those guys, make it a college scout, particularly one that had been doing it for as long as Brad Holmes has. So now they look at the Niners, three straight NFC title games. I think four out of the last five, the lions haven't won a road playoff game since 19, 19- 57. I mean, I just, that really seems archaic when I say that. I mean, I was born in 61, but I, I just think from a football standpoint, to say that your team, your franchise, the Detroit Lions, have not won a road playoff game since 1957. And I get their rolling. I love what they did. They easily could have lost to the Rams, could have lost to the Bucks. They found a way to win. The home crowd was amazing. But now they do get the Niners, a team that is savvy, seasoned, three straight 
NFC Championship games, four out of the last five. How do the Lions get past the Niners and get to Vegas? I mean, it's it's the same. I don't think anything about their process changed. I don't think anything about their game plan changes. It's just now you got to do it against a, a better opponent. Um, this is a team that really likes to – I mean, both teams are kind of built in the same fashion, really. Um, they like to run the ball. They like play action. Um, they, they have two of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Um, the, the one key difference, though, that I think works in the Lions' favor um, is that the Lions notoriously can stop the run. They, they were their top five – run defense in the league. The 49ers are not. They've got a really good defense, but I think in terms of run defense, they're really more middle of the pack. And, you know, if you're looking for advantages that favor the Lions, I think that's the biggest one, especially since both offenses um, really key in on that running game. That's, that's kind of the basis of where everything starts. And so if the Lions defense can hold McCaffrey and crew in, in check and, and the 49ers can't do that with the Lions two-headed monster in the backfield, that that could be a game-changing game-shifting dynamic that, that could favor the Lions. Now, the 49ers can also kill you in a whole bunch of other different ways. They're really good at defending the pass. Say what you will about Brock Purdy, but I believe this was the number one passing offense in the league as well, and we all know that the Lions struggle to defend the pass. But um, in terms of just a you know an advantage that, that could work in the Lions' favor, and, and I think really makes it so I think this game is going to be a close game, not not what the you know the seven-point line suggests. Um I, I think it is the fact that lines are going to be able to, can be able to stop the run where I think the, the 49ers may struggle to do that against Detroit. Yeah, and here at the end, when I, I we've watched teams just fall off the face of the NFL earth, uh, Cowboys, Eagles come to mind. Tampa was rolling. You know, Lions, the two teams they beat were playing as well as anybody last yeah. five weeks of the season. Niners have been up and down. Green Bay had chances to be up 17 nothing. You know, a quarter in five minutes into that game, and you're watching it going, oh, my gosh, they're not capitalized on this. Crowd's coming back into it. You had the bad weather. Get the big lead. Instead, you could feel it coming that the Niners would win it. But Purdy hasn't been the same. And, again, you know, if guys are fighting injuries late in the season, they're just banged up. McCaffrey is still a stud. Key will be Samuel, who banged up the shoulder. How healthy is he? I really think. Purdy and Samuel are the biggest keys and the Lions defense being able to get a few stops. Yeah, no question. And and that is a very, very different 49ers offense with and without um, Debo, as you said, like that, that guy is such a key cog in what they do. And I think Kyle Shanahan talked about it a little bit today. It sounds like, you know, nothing's broken in that shoulder that had been fractured before, but there's a lot of swelling. There's a lot of pain. And so they're not really going to know until later in the week, whether he's going to be a go or not. But if he does not go that 49ers offense has really struggled without that piece. And so um, that's going to be one that I think Lions fans need to keep a, a very close eye on the, the rest of the week. But, uh, but even so I, I, I am going to give the Lions a fighting chance here because, you know, they've, they've given up 340 passing yards in, I think five straight games. And they've gone four and one in those games, and you can make an, an argument that they're, they really went five and zero oh in those games, depending on your opinion on how things ended there in Dallas. So, um, even if the 49ers are able to move the ball through the air, that is no guarantee that they walk away with a comfortable win here, because Detroit has done an amazing job getting off the field in other instances, creating a bunch of sacks, a couple of interceptions along the way, and that can be enough when you have an offense that's rolling as well as the Lions are. If you can just get off the field four or five times, they got off field six times uh, yesterday uh, against the Bucks. That that's going to be enough for this team, I think, to to not only compete but probably maybe even pull off an upset on on Sunday. 
Also, I have a little smile as you were talking about the Cowboys, and then I mentioned the Eagles collapse that coincided with Patricia uh, taking over, who, surprise, surprise, won't be welcome back as the defensive coordinator. And the Cowboys' karma on the Lions getting ripped off at the end, and they're both going to be sitting at home watching the Lions and the Niners on Sunday play for the right to go to Vegas. Lord, Jeremy, if a week from today we're talking about the Lions as NFC champions on their way to Vegas, I, I, I can't even imagine what it will be like in the state of Michigan. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, that is truly uncharted territory. We've been mm. talking about uncharted uncharted territory all year in terms of breaking all these thirty, forty, fifty year records. This is this is something that we've never even thought about, even considered. Um, I mean, I was there obviously last night during the game. I was walking around Detroit after the game, and you know, I usually get out three or four hours after the the game is over, and there's there's still people walking around the city and single digit weather just they don't know what to do with themselves because it's they don't want the party to end and if we're talking super bowl and we get two weeks of oh. anticipation of that game yeah. man i yeah. i don't know i i couldn't even tell you and and to think i mean just how big of a 2024 season will it be for the city of detroit with the, the nfl draft coming in in three months away so um yeah it's about to be really fun here. I mean, it already is really fun here in Detroit and, and I've, I've ran into a bunch of people who are just beside themselves with, with the excitement. But if, if you add Super Bowl, even just a Super Bowl appearance to everything that they've accomplished this year, it's, uh, it's going to be crazy. I, I, I have no other way of putting it. It's just going to be absolutely insane. Could you imagine if Goodell's at the podium with the 32nd pick in the <laughs> NFL draft, your world champion Detroit Lions in Detroit, He's saying those words, mm. yeah. man. I mean, wow. it'd be two years, two years in a row, too, right? They did that in Kansas City last year, so you just have I don't know Jared Goff and uh, and, and then Amon Ra with like a championship belt over his mm. shoulder, right next to Goodell. <laughs> that would be something to behold, man. Yeah, it's what Dan Campbell told the team after the win yesterday. Two more with a bye in between, kind of setting up for those guys, saying go play your butts off Sunday. Because if we win, we're going to get a week off to recover before we go to Vegas to take on the winner, which they'll know by the time they kick off or just a little into the game, maybe end of the first quarter, they'll know if the Chiefs or the Ravens have won. And just imagine it started in Kansas City and it might end in Vegas with Mahomes in Kansas City. That would, I mean, it couldn't have been a, a more, I mean, you want to talk about scriptwriters in the NFL, that would be, that would be something. And I mean, even, even if it was a Baltimore matchup, that at least provides some intrigue with the lines. I'm sure wanting plenty of revenge for that embarrassing, embarrassing game back in, in week six or whatever it was, uh, week seven, I don't know what it is. Um, but either way, um, I mean, it just, just to be sitting here having this conversation with you, just, wow. that still feels unreal to me that we're talking about potential Super Bowl matchups with, with the Lions in it. So, um, we got the Harbaugh story too, with again, you could get one Harbaugh's a national champion. The others a runner up. Right. Right. That would be something. Yeah. What, what side would, I mean, I think we, we know what side Jim would, would side with, but, um, yeah, man. Well, Jim might be coach of the chargers by the time. Uh, you get to that Super Bowl. He's going back for his second interview. So second interviews mean you've made the cut. They've completed their Rooney rule requirements. So Harbaugh 
And on the Chargers have been kind of quiet outside of announcing who's interviewed. And I don't know if Harbaugh going back now is the interview where he won't leave uh, and he'll be their head coach. I I don't know how that's going to play off. The NFL is more tight-lipped about head coaching hirings than I've ever seen. Yeah, and plus with all these other candidates, you know, Baltimore's got a, a few coaching candidates that are in the mix, and San Francisco it seems to. And well, Johnson and, and Glenn, right? Right. Got- yeah. With all those kind of still up in the air, usually you don't see a lot of movement with with head coaches until all of that is is through. Um, obviously, a couple of teams had succession plans in, in, in place, and those are done. But I think, I think until either the Super Bowl ends or it becomes clear that some of these guys that, that are still in the interview process but in the playoffs um, become more free, uh, I think we're probably going to see a lot of coaching hires still on hold here. You know, speaking of coaching hires, Aaron Glenn the last two weeks defensively, has he has he moved up? I think he's moved up the list on getting one of those open NFL jobs. Am I off base on that? No, I, I mean, I think, I think it certainly has helped more than it hurts. I mean, I think a lot of this process is it's how you interview. It's 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 more than just what you do in the playoffs, but it can't hurt when you're out there again giving up 350 passing yards in all these games, yet still being a disruptive force uh, against some of these. I mean, listen, the, the I would say both the Buccaneers and and the Tampa and and the uh, Rams had some of the hotter passing offenses in the league and and had two quarterbacks playing with a, a lot of confidence in what they do. A lot of obviously wide receiving talent on the field in the past two weeks as well. And the lines weren't perfect, but they, they came up with a game plan that, that got the defense off the field that, that created disruptive plays. And considering the roster that the Lions have, particularly at corner, I think you have to give Aaron Glenn a ton of credit for doing what he's doing with the talent that he has. Um, I, I, I would say game plan and scheme had a huge part in their win yesterday because I don't know how many times they sent blitzes, but it felt like every single time there was an unblocked defender who either got to Baker Mayfield, took him down, or made him very uncomfortable and throw a hurried pass that was typically inaccurate. So that really, that game, really the last two weeks, I would say, are really, I think, kind of masterclass is a, is a big word for it. Uh, I would say more just like highlighting his strengths as a play caller, which is something that we haven't really talked about through three years because I don't think he was particularly great at it for the first, even two years, I would say, but he's getting much better at it. And I think that was on display for the, these past two games. Well, actually it's called uh, when they yell Cam Sutton, somebody blitzes because Cam Sutton can't, I think his name <laughs> should be can't cover Sutton. But you know why, why Baker didn't go more yeah. uh, like he did on that drive just before halftime, Cam Sutton, I'm sorry. It's nothing personal. It's business. He just can't cover anybody. Bites too much. Uh, guys run by him. Uh, arm tackling. And, but to get by it, and I yeah. said this to start the show today, and I was preaching it all last week after the Rams game and even into the end of the regular season, that the Lions defense is not good enough to play straight up D. And every time they bring that pressure, just like the, if you look at Barnes's interception, I don't know who it was on that last highlight reel, but – Baker had to get rid of it a little bit early before the break on the cut. Yeah. And and that yeah. pressure of sending, like you said, somebody running free, and I'll give Baker credit. He spun out a couple of those and made some just, you know, penthouse level, you know, QB throws where you're like, I just got to give him some love. But keep that heat up. They're going to need to do it to Purdy. He's not the best scrambler. He can break a few tackles. 
But when they bring that heat, they're a better defense. They are. Yeah, no question. And, you know, it, it, it can get you in trouble every now and then. The, the Bucks had a really good play call against one of their blitzes that ended in that kind of screen pass touchdown. Yeah. But, well. but, I mean, the, Aaron Glenn doesn't have many other options. He can't just like sit on his hands oh. and, and watch his team get picked apart. And so I, I love the aggressive play style. And again, to the other team knows they're going to do that, right? They know that the lines are going to have to crank up the aggression on defense. So to have the, the opposing offense know that the lines have been cranking up the heat in the past month or two and still be able to create pressure packages that, that are creating these unblocked defenders again, a credit to, to Aaron Glenn for knowing the weaknesses on the offensive line, for knowing the tendencies of Baker Mayfield and the other offense, and um, you know, creating these these pressure packages that are clearly working despite the fact that the offenses know they're coming. Yeah, the deeper lines are going. The more I'm feeling, I, I was thinking Glenn maybe the Titans, but he'd be back. But now I'm looking at all these jobs still open that Johnson and Glenn both could be gone, and we can see what that can do to a team. Go ask Sirianni. In Philly, but I'm going to enjoy this ride uh, where it's going on the field, and it continues Sunday in San Francisco. Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit. Look for them, Twitter, Facebook, online, as always, Jeremy. Wonderful conversation. Yeah, man, appreciate you having me. Having a lot of fun.